Welcome to the Judge John Hodgman podcast. I'm bailiff Jesse Thorne. This week, we're in chambers clearing the docket. With me, as always, the paragon of justice himself, Judge John Hodgman. It's freezing in my chambers. Why is that? Because it's cold outside in Brooklyn. Oh, right. Other geographic locations have winter. We are recording this in the dregs of Feb, and I am having to wear a fleece collar around my trembling neck because it is so cold in here. I don't like it. I just made the most luxurious purchase of my life. Let's hear it. It's very cold in the lower level of my home, which is because I live on the side of a hill substantially, essentially below ground. You're in the shadow of Mount Doom. Yes. Yes. And it is the home of my, both my sort of den where my Mm -hmm. television is and my office where I often work. And so I have a space heater, uh, a portable space heater that I carry between those rooms uh, to turn on while uh, I'm working or watching something so that I can stay warm. Now, I just imagine you carrying around a, a gently pulsing, glowing orb at all times. Is that what a space eater is? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like a dragon's egg if a <laughs> dragon was a type of alien. Mm-hmm. Very good. Go on. And I, the other day, bought a second space heater <laughs> so that I could have one space heater in each room and not have to carry the one space root heater back and forth, which felt like the most profligate, luxurious uh like captain of industry. Yes. <laughs> Gilded age extravagance of my entire life. <laughs> to buy a, I want to be clear too. It was a $25 space heater. Yeah. It is not merely wasteful, Jesse. But it is a reminder that this is not how the system is supposed to work. You're supposed to feel warm in your home because of the infrastructure of your home. Right. Do you know what I mean? It's it's like when uh when, you, when you're a moderately famous person on Twitter and you're having difficulty downloading the Acorn TV app for all your fine British television and getting that Series 3 of Detectorists to play, and you say something about it on Twitter and Acorn TV reaches out to you directly because you've got something of a Twitter following and they give you a password to get it done right and it works and you're like, hooray, I get to see my favorite Toby Jones plus... Mackenzie Crook in the beautiful series three of Detectorists, but boo, because I only get to do this because I have a number of followers on Twitter. This is not how the system's supposed to work. The system's supposed to work for everyone, not just Hodgman. Yeah, that's, that's a me. good point. I think Bernie Sanders is pretty mad about the fact that I get a second space here while others have none. And and I got to watch series three of Detectorists while other dum-dums are still getting blank screens on their Apple TV. Let me say this. Series 3 Detectorists, I'll take no money from you. You're great all the time. Acorn TV, I'll take no money from you because you still got to get your act together on the Apple TV for everybody, not just Hodgman. But what I have heard, if you sign up for it via Amazon, it works fine. Anyway, thank you for bringing me Detectorist Series 3. Thank you for trying Acorn TV. Don't want your money. Everybody, that's my lifestyle update for you. Jesse Thorne, let's, <laughs> let's have some justice. Up in this piece. Okay, here's something from Jeff. Somehow Amazon accidentally sent me two pillows I didn't order. Double buzz for Amazon! It's my firm belief that the error was on the company, and I shouldn't have to waste my time or energy getting in touch with them to try and figure out what happened. My wife says I stole the pillows by not trying to return them. 
We've brought the issue to friends, and I hate to say it, but most of them side with my wife. But I just can't let it go. I stole nothing. You know what I got uh, this week, Jesse? What? An email. An email from a listener. And the listener said, as they always do, love the podcast. Thank you very much. But, and then went on to complain about something. In this Uh case, complaining about the fact that I officially prohibit buzz marketing in the courtroom and ask people not to name brand names, but that I sometimes name brand names, such as Acorn TV, Detector Series 3, and now Amazon twice. And the person said, I think that's unfair and you should ban it. You should ban yourself (laughs) from doing it. You know what I wrote back to this person who said I should uh, ban uh, my own mentioning of brand names? What's that? My court, my rules. (laughs) I don't get money from Amazon. Alexa, subscribe to Judge John Hodgman. That's for my Amazon friends out there. Now, look. Wait, hold on. Something else here. Alexa, play Huey Lewis in the news sports. (laughs) You know what? If that happened right now in my Alexa, I wouldn't be so mad. I haven't heard that album in a long time. It's great. Huey Lewis, everybody likes Huey Lewis, unless they're dum-dums. He's fun. He just wants to make us all happy and have a good time. You know what he's got? Good brows. Oh, I thought you were going to say the power of love. No, he's got the power of love. And also, <laughs> his, you know what the B-side for the power of love was? What? Best brows in rock. <laughs> so let's see. He's got, he's got the brows. Yep. He's got the power of love. And a surprisingly credible background in pub rock. Yeah, that's exactly so. Mm-hmm. And a few dollars in his pocket, courtesy um, the Ghostbusters theme song. Yeah. All right. Now, listen, let's get back to Jeff. Jeff, be- uh, believe me. Yeah, it's annoying when, when people send you stuff that you don't ask for. Uh, whether it's a, it's a mailer or a menu or a, even if it's a thoughtful present. And you know who sends me thoughtful presents is Jesse Thorne. Love getting his presents. But I won't lie to you, Jesse. There's a little bit of homework involved. I got to open up the cardboard. I got to recycle it. I got to... You know, I had to process that stuff. Right. You know, and I love I love your presence. But especially if it's something you didn't ask for at all, like two pillows from Amazon that don't belong to you, that's not on you. That's frustrating. I appreciate that. It's not your fault. And this is as close as possible, I think, to a victimless crime. Because probably, I mean, even if you imagine that the people who bought those pillows are poor orphans, living by their wits and nimble fingers pickpocketing on the streets of uh, Burbank or whatever. And they somehow scraped together enough Bitcoin or whatever to order two pillows so that they lay their tiny little cold heads on, and then they didn't get them. Well, all they did was probably click a different button on Amazon and say, hey, we didn't get our pillows, and Amazon figured out, oh, he's in the wrong place. Send them two more pillows. It's all fine. And Amazon didn't contact you even after surely realizing they had sent those pillows to the wrong place. So no big, right? Guess what? Two free pillows, right, Jeff? Right, Jeff? Or wrong, Jeff? Because there are two counter-considerations that your wife has figured out, and I have figured out, and all of your wife's friends have figured out, but you haven't yet, so I'm going to tell them to you. One consideration is moral. Moral dimension. Why not just return them? Amazon makes it very easy to return stuff. 
especially if you weren't expecting to get it, you open it up, you're like, oh, pillows I don't want, Boop, close it up, send it back. It's easy to return stuff to Amazon unless you've taken the pillows out of the packaging and put your monster head and dander all over them. Sure, it's a slight inconvenience, but the pillows are not yours. You know that. You know that. Everyone knows that. I wouldn't be able to lay my head down and sleep at night on stolen pillows. But even if you are able to, Jeff, because you're not a moral creature, there's another consideration, a practical consideration. Amazon knows you have them because Amazon knows everything about you. Amazon knows where you are right now. And those orphans called in and said, uh, we didn't get our pillows. And they're like, oh, looks like Jeff got those. Send some pillows to the orphans. Let's keep Jeff's record on file. Because they know you've received stolen goods and didn't return them. And I'm not going to say that Amazon is a, is a vengeful entity. But that would be anti-buzz marketing. I'm also not going to say it because Amazon was an incredibly, incredibly generous marketer of vacation land for me. Without me asking. They did incredible stuff for that book. So thank you, Amazon. I'm just saying to you, Jeff, that maybe the next time you order a pair of gloves or a copy of Vacation Land, somewhere in a fulfillment center, a red light will go on and maybe you won't get those gloves or those Vacation Lands or you'll just get a box full of asps, venomous asps. So don't test fate. Get those pillows of, uh, those ill-gained pillows out of your life. You can't return them now. It's too late. You've already put your head sweat all over them. But maybe call around and see if... uh, I know I'm not sure that a, that a human shelter for, for people who are homeless will take old pillows, but I bet you an animal shelter would. Call around and see if there's an animal shelter that'll take these pillows and do yourself and your karma a favor. Here's something from Stacy. Dearest Judge Hodgman, my husband and I are fans of yours, but you've let me down. Oh, here we go. My husband wrote to you some time ago about my whistling. He asked that you order me to stop because he doesn't feel like my whistling skills are up to par. But you provided no resolution for us. With this lack of an official ruling, he's forcing his own sense of justice in our household. He's begun making farting sounds when I whistle to try to drown out my tune. Please order him to enjoy my whistling. Uh, Dearest Judge John Hodgman, I like, first of all, I enjoy that pandering. But then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, it's another case against me. People like what they like, and you know what they don't like, Stacy. You're whistling. Let's listen to it again. Okay, you need the whistle. Okay, that's enough. That's enough. Okay, case closed. Wow. Case closed. Indeed. Wow. Yeah, I remember that case. And... So where is the wife? Because all I heard was a sick bird. (laughs) No, that was the wife. Wow. Yeah, I made my ruling on purpose, Stacy, because your whistling is bad. And this is, you know, this is a sensitive podcast. We try to hear it from all sides. We try to understand why people are doing the things that they're doing. We try to help them to understand each other. But that doesn't mean we have no standards. And sometimes helping someone else means hurting them a little bit by saying, you're no good at whistling. And there's no way just because you come back at me uh, with, with a complaint, am I going to overturn my own ruling and order your husband to enjoy something 
that not only he doesn't enjoy, which goes against settled law in this courtroom, but is intrinsically unenjoyable. Now, is this rough? Is this hard to hear? Of course it was. But it was also hard to hear when Holly Hunter told William Hurt that his imposter syndrome was absolutely justified and real in broadcast news, 1987. (laughs) One of the greatest movies of all time. And a moment in cinematic history that I think about probably once a week. When William Hurt, who is the handsome, telegenic television news personality, who, because he's so handsome and charming and affable, gets promoted to being the anchor at this local news station when he meets Holly Hunter, having been the sportscaster for two weeks, having never gone to college, knowing nothing about the news and admitting to her in her hotel room when they're about to hug and kiss, he's like, I feel like a total fraud. And she said, everyone does once in a while. And he goes, no, I never went to college. I don't write and I don't understand the news. And Holly Hunter can't flirt with him anymore and just, and says to him something that was so powerful to me when I saw it when I was 16 years old. She said, I agree with you. You're not qualified. So get qualified. You can insist on being better prepared. You don't have to leave it with just, eh, I don't write. I'm not schooled. I don't understand the news I'm reading, but at least I'm upset about it, folks. What do you want anyway from me? Permission to be a fake? Stop whining. Do something about it. End quote. Do something about it, Stacy. You want your whistling to be good? That's on you, not on me. You can't legislate good whistling. Go take a whistling class. Literally Google whistling class. You will be surprised at the many, many free and paying courses that you can take locally and online. And based on my research, they work. And pretty soon, you're going to be whistling beautifully. You're going to be whistling, uh, I won't say Dixie. Let's say you'd be whistling the uh, the state song of your state or Commonwealth. This is the sound of a gavel. That's Roadrunner by Jonathan Richmond, the official rock song of the Commonwealth of Massachusetts, in my heart at least. This is the sound of a real gavel. Luckily, that was borderline atonal. Uh, so we don't have to worry about ASCAP and BMI coming after us. Come at me, ASCAP and BMI. I had a physical theater teacher in high school. Yeah. Uh, who had been for many years a sort of classy clown, um, mm-hmm. not to be confused with a class clown. Or, mur- and, or murderous clown. Yeah, he was in this thing called Pickle Family Circus, which was a, a very big deal in the San Francisco in the uh, 70s and 80s mostly into the 90s, I guess. And um, he had performed in many crazy kind of cabaret situations. Mm -hmm. And um, the most crazy situation that he had ever been in was doing an elaborate clowning routine in the middle of a variety show, hurting his back very badly so that he uh, almost couldn't walk, walking off stage into the wings, and there was one bench on which you could sit or lie down, And he asked the person there whether he could sit or lie down there because he'd just been hurt. Mm -hmm. And the person there was a professional whistler, a a man whose thing was he would go out and do opera arias whistling. And he had played Woodstock in uh, the Peanuts television. I was just going to say, was he the guy on Peanuts? Because that was some... I remember seeing a, a profile of that whistler on like CBS Sunday morning or something around that time. 
Anyway, that Keep guy going. wouldn't give up the bench. Uh, he wouldn't give up the bench because he also had to rest. Yeah. It's called rank. <laughs> Professional whistler, old rank. Okay, let's take a <laughs> let's take a quick break. More items on the docket coming up in just a minute on the Judge John Hodgman podcast. Snoopy, come home. You're listening to Judge John Hodgman. I'm bailiff Jesse Thorne. Of course, the Judge John Hodgman podcast always brought to you by you, the members of MaximumFun.org. Thanks to everybody who's gone to MaximumFun.org slash join. And you can join them by going to MaximumFun.org slash join. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is also brought to you this week by Babbel. Okay, it's 2024. Oh, if hindsight were 2020, I I don't know what I would have done differently. All I know is that I'm taking every day in this year and trying to get better a little bit every day. That's what you do. That's the way progress is made, step by step, day by day, bird by bird. And that's the way it is when you're learning anything, especially a new language with Babbel. And if Babbel can help you start speaking language in just three weeks, Imagine what you could do in the rest of this whole year. Don't pay hundreds of dollars to private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts, real human beings, to help you start speaking a new language in as little as one, two, three weeks. Studies from Michigan State University, Yale University, and others continue to prove that Babbel is better. And that's not just the Yale football team putting their thumb on the scale because they love learning Indonesian from Babbel. One study found that using Babbel for 15 hours is equivalent to a full semester at college. Take that, Yale, I guess. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but this is only for our listeners at babbel.com slash Hodgman. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is also brought to you this week by... Aura. A-U-R-A. It's a simple but meaningful gift that you can give your mom or your dad or your step-grandparent or your uncle or your friend or anyone that you want to keep connected in your life who might not live near you. It's a digital picture frame from Aura. It's perfect for sharing pics of all the things that those friends can't be there for, from family vacations to grandkids' graduation to whatever. I have one of these, and I got one for my dad, and I got one for my mother-in-law, and it's amazing. We look at the photos all day long, and we're able to easily update their Aura frames so they see all the latest pictures from our lives as well. It comes with unlimited storage, simple controls on the frame. You can upload as many photos as you want, and your mom or your dad or your stepdad or your stepmom or your friend or whatever can pick the perfect one. And it takes only about two minutes to set up. Seriously. See why it was named the number one digital frame by Wirecutter, uh, The Strategist, and Wired Magazine. Right now, you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. For a limited time, listeners can get $20 off their best-selling frame with code Hodgman. That's A-U-R-A Frames.com. Promo code Hodgman. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome back to the Judge John Hodgman podcast. We're clearing the docket. I'm Jesse Thorne. With me, 
Judge John Hodgman, here's something from Scott. My wife and I will be having twin boys. The problem we bring to you is in regards to the last names of our children. We like to think of ourselves as progressive, but we don't like have hyphenated last names. We also don't like the patriarchal tradition of taking the man's surname. Mm-hmm. We thought the best solution would be for one child to have my last name and the other to have my wife's. But we've gotten a lot of pushback on this idea. People generally think that the children will feel like one parent likes them more or that they'll be teased at school, but we just don't see it that way. We think as long as they're loved, all will be fine. Please inject some sage perspective into our conundrum. So wait a minute. So Scott and his and Scott wants to reject the patriarchy, right? So he doesn't want to give their twin boys his last name. And they don't want to hyphenate the last name, presumably because it becomes clunky. And his wife, what is her name? Is she named in this or is she just No. Okay. She's of Scott. Yeah. <laughs> right. So Scott and of Scott are thinking about giving their upcoming twin boys, soon to be born, different last names, one being his last name, the other being hers. Now, I don't know if they're identical or not. doesn't look like we know. But I think the idea of identical twins especially, but any twins with different last names is perversely attractive and seems like phase one of an incredible lifelong prank. I'm I'm into it. However, uh, your boy's uh, whole lives do not exist for my amusement, nor uh, do they exist for yours. And I got to say, I think that this arrangement is going to cause both logistical and to some degree emotional confusion. If you've got, if you've got like, uh, if Jesse and I were twin brothers, oh, word only so, and Jesse's last name was Thorne and my last name was Hodgman, but we're brothers, that doesn't make any sense. Sorry. What do you think, Jesse? Yes or no? I wonder if they've considered making up a new name. That's what my – I have an sure. aunt right, uh, who I love very much named Aunt Gail. Mm-hmm. And Gail uh, became what at the time was known as a militant lesbian in the early 1980s. Right. Um, which is to say she was uh, very actively and ideologically feminist mm-hmm. um, at the same time as, as she came out as a lesbian. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that she did was change her surname from her – maiden name, which was Chase, my grandfather's name, to Dorita, uh, Rita being my grandmother's first name. Um, And uh, she still has that surname, and it has worked out exceptionally well for her. That said, we did once have a situation on Jordan Jesse Go where someone called in and asked us to rename their family uh, <laughs> when they were being married, we thought of something, and then they didn't use it. Um, so I do have a little bit of saltiness around this. What, did you, what was the name that you thought of, do you recall? I believe we suggested the Rockets. Mm-hmm. Their surname should be Rocket. Well, here are the options that I'm going to give to Scott and of Scott, his wife. One is, I think, Jesse Thorne's very uh, wise suggestion and one that uh, has definitely happened before. It is not a hyphenated name, but sometimes people just combine their names to make a new name. Uh, my acquaintance, I dare say, uh, friend, the very fine playwright David Lindsay Abair. Lindsay Abair is not hyphenated, but it is both of his and his wife, Chris Lindsay Abair's names combined. So everything is now just Lindsay Abair. That's just the way it is. That may sound too hyphenated for you. 
you can come up with a completely whole new name, uh, which in, I think based on precedent from Jordan, Jesse Go, if we were to name it, uh, it wouldn't be the Rockets. I think it would be the Super Podcasts. You could be... <laughs> You can name your twin boys John and Jesse Super Podcast. That's a good idea. But one option uh, that I noticed, Scott, that you didn't even bring up as a possibility, Mr. Sensitive, is just giving them your wife's last name. Your solution is to give one boy your wife's last name and the other boy your last name because you still got to get your last name in there. So uh, let's face it, dude. Patriarchy lives on in your house. I would suggest... Uh, that you give them your wife's last name and give them your last name as a middle name and just use all three names the whole time without a hyphen. Just make it all part of their name, like David Foster Wallace. Imagine that David Foster Wallace was one set of twins where his mom's last name was Wallace and his dad's last name was Foster and his brother's name was Carl, Carl Foster Wallace. Just like that. That's the template. Or uh, one other possibility that I will allow Give them your last name as a first name, which is a not uncommon thing to do. If a woman takes her husband's name in marriage and they have a child, to give that child the husband's last name, but as that child's first name, the woman's birth last name, maiden name, as they say. And so it would be, what was your militant uh, lesbian aunt's uh, original last name? Chase. Chase, right. So her child might be named, for example, uh, Chase Dorita, which is a pretty cool name. That is a pretty cool name. And since they're twins, what you can do is, let's say, Scott, that your last name is, what's a last name, Jesse? Thompson. Hunsucker? Yeah, Hunsucker. That's exactly what I said. Yeah. And your wife's last name is Smith. So son one would be named Hunsucker one Smith, and son two would be named Hunsucker two Smith. Those are good names. The point is, I agree with the people who disagree with you. It will be confusing to give your twin sons different last names. You got to settle on something. Unless your wife is totally in agreement with you on this and then go do whatever you want. But I really do think of all of these options, John and Jesse Super Podcast is the way to go. Speaking of Jesse, we've got something from a listener named Jesse, who is not me. Oh. I don't listen. On Friday evenings, my wife Jenna teaches a body pump class at our local Y. <laughs> what if this was from you? What if Honey, you had a gotta, secret wife? <laughs> i got to go to the Y for body pump tonight. <laughs> Sounds this is wrong. A... <laughs> it doesn't sound. It sounds like it sounds like you have to get something out of your body, or else you'll die. Frankly, it sounds like something that would have gone down at the Y in like the early to mid seventies. This is about an hour of cardio strength exercises. Okay. Got it. Okay. After the class, she meets my daughter and me at a casual pizza place for dinner. We usually grab a quick spot at the bar and often get the same server. Every time we go. Jenna tells the server and almost everyone she talks to she's very sorry for being sweaty and gross because she just came from the gym. I believe that while she may be self-conscious, it only draws more unnecessary attention to herself. Also, 
She may be in gym clothes and feel this way. She doesn't smell or look bad or out of place. By apologizing all the time, I believe it actually makes it more embarrassing for her and us. I request you order Jenna to stop apologizing for herself when we meet for dinner after her gym class when there is no apparent offense, given or taken. Hmm. This guy's really enjoying being a dude. <laughs> oh, tell me why. That's, I didn't get that take. John, think of all of the male-female romantic couples that uh, exist in your life. Oh, I thought you now, meant in all time. Yeah. <laughs> and I was gonna go I was gonna go into this deep fugue state. I was gonna go into a coma for five years as every romantic couple flashed before me. John Hodgman ascends and becomes a watcher. <laughs> Uatu the watcher. That is the role that I've decided I would like to take in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I've given up on Modoc. I'm ready to be Uatu the Watcher. I'm not shaving my head though, because that would be on the nose. Jesse, go. Imagine all the romantic couples. So imagine all the romantic couples you know. How, in how many of them, in what proportion of them, is the man the more socially sensitive? I see what you mean now. Okay, now secondary question. Mm-hmm. In what proportion of them is social cohesion, uh, coherence, abidance by sometimes unfair social norms more expected of the man than the woman? Good point. I'm just saying this guy's really trusting his instincts on this one. Now that you've opened my eyes to this uh, lens that I should have been looking through the entire time, may I add an observation? Sure. Between men and women, which one is more likely to disregard the terrible smell of sweat? (laughs) And also, which one is more likely to consider it socially acceptable to arrive at a public establishment in sweaty gym clothes. Which is more likely to be judged by their appearance by others? I get your point now, Jesse, and thank you for uh, helping me confront the patriarchy on my own podcast. I will say this. It does really hinge, though, on whether Jesse is a reliable narrator when it comes to his wife's stinkiness and appearance. I mean, if she's sweaty and gross then she should not be showing up at the restaurant at all. She should be going and taking a shower before coming there to the restaurant. And if she is not sweaty and gross, legitimately, objectively not sweaty and gross, if his assessment of her smell and appearance is accurate, then I would say I agree with him that there is no reason to introduce the idea of your smell to your server and your fellow diners. Most people don't care And this is something that guys, I think, intuit because it's been reinforced throughout all their lives. But I think that it is a truism across the board. Most people aren't paying as much attention to you and your smells as much as you worry they are. So long as you're within a reasonable range of socially normal, acceptable smells and looks. Like if you don't smell like, well, you know what I'm talking about, body body stuff. And as long as there isn't a sufficient critical mass of somewhat smelly people, yeah, a sort of comic con <laughs> that <laughs> concentrates the accumulated medium odors into a large odor. Yeah. You know, it's like most people aren't noticing what kind of shoes you're wearing. Most people aren't, you know, obviously this is different for men than for women. But I, th- I think it's the case that, you know, people aren't in general – 
interrogating your appearance and your smell at the same level that you are yourself. And there's no reason to introduce the idea of your smelliness since most people, if unless you're really smelly, most people probably are not thinking about it. And in a restaurant environment, uh, you know, uh, the, your server and the people around you don't even want to start thinking about your smells um, because it becomes, then you get phantom smells. Just like that time I was seated in an adult steak restaurant for an adult midday steak meal with some adult middle-aged dude friends of ours and a bunch of babies came and sat down at the next table and even though i'm sure they were perfectly clean babies it was so out of context that all i could smell was diapers for the rest of the meal and i've changed a lot of diapers but you know what they were cute babies they were cute babies i take it back (laughs) everything was fine it was fun watching those babies eat those those huge hunks of steak don't do that don't feed your babies hunks of steak you guys at least order them well that's I right. mean, in, in no other circumstance would I recommend that. But if, if you're going to feed the steak to the baby, yeah. if it's going to take care of that whole porterhouse, you should be careful about foodborne disease. Look, all right, look, I'm going to be honest. Don't bring your babies to a midtown steakhouse where middle-aged men are meeting to drink a, a martini in the middle of the day because they're getting laid off right and left and don't know where their lives are going to go. I would add to that and just say overall. Don't go to Midtown unless you have to. Yeah, that's exact. Good point. Good point. Yeah. I guess what we're saying is be wary of context. And uh, Jesse's wife, if Jesse's correct and you don't smell bad, do yourself the favor and, and don't introduce that as a topic of conversation. You're probably great. But on the other hand, what if, what if Jesse's wrong? What if his wife does smell bad? I mean, the fact of the matter is, if you're teaching a body pump course, an hour's worth of high cardio exercise, if after an hour you haven't put some sweat out, uh, I'm not sure you should be getting money from the Y for that. You should be going harder. You don't want to be going to the Y and pulling a Bill de Blasio, who I see at the uh, Park Slope Y every morning doing his gentle stretches <laughs> instead of mayoring. He's got a long way to stretch. It's true. He's a big fella. Maybe he's, he's half giraffe, you know. Maybe yeah. maybe needs to keep limber. If his nickname isn't already Stretch. I, I think his nickname should be Giraffe. <laughs> That's what the, the Bronx Borough president calls him. Yeah. Hey, get in here, Giraffe. We're playing stickball. Such rivalries among the borough presidents. That was a perfect Bronx accent. Yeah, that's right. But Jenna, if you're teaching your class correctly and you're getting all sweaty, then you shouldn't be apologizing even in a casual pizza place. You should be hitting the showers after. I go to the showers at the Y now. It took me a long, a, a lo- many, many years of, of deep psychological work and trauma to be able to be nude in the locker room at the Y for me. It's not a comfortable place for me. But now I've gotten used to it. I take a shower after I work out. I put the sweat out. I shower it off. I get dressed. I listen to the old men sing doo-wop down there. And added bonus, last week, for the first time in my uh, tw- almost 25 years of living in New York City, uh, uh, my naked body was seen by the mayor of New York. So <laughs> so that classic rite of passage. It's how you know you're... Finally, a real New Yorker and yeah. not a New Englander anymore. Yeah, I feel a sense of liberation, and it makes me feel very cosmopolitan as well. 
It's very important. I mean, I think that's a central to what it means to be not just a New Yorker, but an American, to have our elected leaders see our bodies in their totality. That's right. And, you know, I think it was just a coincidence after years of seeing the mayor at the Y and him sort of like brushing past me and never saying anything, even though I used to be on television sometimes, which I took to be a real affront. A couple of days after he saw me in the nude, he's walking out. He goes, hey, buddy. Ah, finally. It's a big upgrade. Finally, I get something out of this guy. <laughs> anyway, to my neighbor, Bill de Blasio, thanks for keeping it real and coming back to the Park Club Y. It's always a thrill to see you there. To my neighbor, uh, Chris Claremont, uh, the, the greatest writer of X-Men of all time. Great to see you there at the Y sometimes. We have a good time at the Y. We take showers there. Maybe I'll take a body pump class sometime. But Jenna, listen, I got to find in favor of your husband. If you stink, take a shower. If you don't stink, stop talking about it. This is the sound of a gavel. Can I put an addendum on that decision? Of course. Yeah, of course. The patriarchy, Jenna, is neither your fault nor your responsibility. We all share that fault and responsibility, especially the dude ones. <laughs> yeah, I'll take that. I'll wear that cloak of shame. <laughs> Unless I'm in the shower in the Y, then I'm just going to go totally nude. Uh, let's take a break uh, and hear about some other great Max Fun shows. We'll be back in just a second. I love Max Fun shows. I want to hear about them. Yeah. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Welcome back to the Judge John Hodgman podcast. This week, we're clearing the docket. I'm Jesse Thorne with me. Judge John Hodgman, uh, who you might know from the Park Slope YMCA. Mm -hmm. I, by the way, I'm Jesse Thorne of the South Pasadena YMCA. Here's something from Megan. I'm the mom of a family of sweet, smart introverts. I don't like alcohol and caffeine makes me jittery. At a restaurant, I often order plain water with fresh cut lemon. I then add a packet of sugar. It's light, refreshing, and zero calories. Nope, not true. Mm -hmm. No, eh, there's calories in sugar. Yeah, that's where they come from. Yeah. It's like one of their top, top places where, where they keep them. 
my husband and children, ages 13, 15, 26, oh are appalled goodness. because I'm not paying for what they refer to as lemonade. I'd be happy to pay for it, but these restaurants don't offer zero-calorie, non-caffeinated ice drinks for sale. I don't flaunt my drink, only request more water as needed. Since they're a bunch of shy introverts, they're afraid I'm somehow cheating, stealing, and or drawing attention to myself. All equally horrifying. Am I in the right, or am I truly the shame of my family? First of all, I only half listened to that, because coming back from the break when you introduced me as John Hodgman of the Park Slope YMCA, I thought you were going to say John Hodgman of Parks and Rec, referring to my one episode on Parks and Rec when I had five lines. And that immediately got me thinking about a sitcom set in the men's locker room of the Park Slope YMCA, in which I am the star or co-star, and it's just an ensemble comedy of nude middle-aged men all the time. <laughs> you know what it you know what it makes me think of, Judge Hodgman? No. A world in which I am castable even on a sitcom casting for NPR hosts. <laughs> if you want to be in my in my locker room, it'll be called Locker Room Talk. Uh-huh. And you want to be in my ensemble comedy of nude men, you're in it. Thank goodness. Because what what I what I see in the locker room at the YMCA is such a variety of yeah. male physical weirdness. Yeah. That it's really like you really get to see a the true strangeness of the human body. Uh-huh. And it's reassuring that you're not alone in your strangeness, which is always great. And it also gives you so many more reasons to feel apologetic to women. <laughs> you now you understand what they've been going through. <laughs> women and anyone I should say who who occasionally has to hug and kiss a nude man. There's a that's a lot. I love that when you go to the YMCA, there will always be one 87-year-old man who's wearing slacks and a dress shirt and slowly turning the wheels on the recumbent stationary bike. Yeah. Like, that man is so wonderful to me. I know. Just on the floor doing curls of dumbbells while wearing wingtips. <laughs> like, old abused wingtips, his gym wingtips. Yeah, it's inc- it's incredible. The personalities, those guys who are down there, they truly are. They're singing the doo-wop and they're talking about movies and their girlfriends and they're all, you know, in the, you know 50 to 80 years old. They've seen it all and they don't care what you look like. That's a great place to be psychologically for me. Anyway, sorry, Megan, uh, here's the deal. First of all, maybe you're talking about a packet of a, a, a sugar substitute. Like a, I'm going to go ahead and buzz market it because I'm going to get pushed around by that email guy. Maybe a Splenda or a Stevia or a Sweet and Low. Is that still a thing? Yeah, I think so. But if not, if you're really putting a packet of sugar in there, that is not zero calories. That's where calories come from. So first, that's a little uh, nutritional uh, information break for you. Check that's it out. a caloric distillate. Yeah. But set that aside. If you are combining complementary water, which I hope is complementary, complementary lemon with complementary sugar packets from the table, you're combining three complementary things. That's free for you. That is fine. Your kids, ages 13, 15, and 26, Quite a spread, Medigan. Well done. Uh, Are just getting on their mom's nerves for their own amusement. 
But I will also argue that most restaurants do offer zero-calorie, non-caffeinated iced drinks for sale called iced herbal tea or iced mint tea, which I guess is an herbal tea too. But I see nothing wrong with combining a little free water with a little free lemon, with a little free Splenda packet or whatever it is. You can even put some free salt and pepper in there. It's all for you. Enjoy. But tip your servers. My uh, friends from New York City, the Internet's celebrities, uh, Dallas and Raffi. Dallas and Giraffe, the mayor of New York City? <laughs> no, 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 no. Oh, Raffi, I misheard you. Different, different guy. He's saying baby beluga. Oh, oh, oh I apologize. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, so my friends, Dallas and Raffi, have this thing called Internet Celebrities, and they made a video called Ghetto Big Mac, which is about how to go into the McDonald's and trick them into serving you a Big Mac while only paying for a cheeseburger or whatever mm-hmm. by, through a system of requesting modifications to your cheeseburger. Uh-huh. It, becomes, it somehow magically becomes a Big Mac. Uh-huh. Like you get, you, can I get the sauce on the side and then can I get two buns? I don't remember how it works. Right. I got to watch the video. This is one of the first instances on the Judge John Hodgman program of me liking someone who's trying to beat the system. I don't, but I don't think she's beating the system. I think if she's bringing her own packet of sugar or sugar substitute in for this purpose, then she's then she knows she's sneaking. She's sneaking a thing. I'm not sure. I just presume she was taking it off the table. But if she's sneaking some sugar in, if you know you're sneaking, then you're sneaking. Think about that. Oh wow. Well, it's like that double pillows creep. He knows he's sneaking. Don't pretend you're not sneaking when you're sneaking. (laughs) We'll shine the light on you. (laughs) Okay, so we had an episode from SF Sketch Fest on the show recently. And I said that one day my dream, and this is absolutely real, is to name a dog Hambone. Sure. I recently met a dog who, by the way, who was half poodle and half German shepherd. And it looked like a two-thirds size Irish wolfhound, <laughs> maybe ha- half-size Irish wolfhound. It was fantastic dog, fantastic. And I, I wanted to name it Hambone very badly. Well, if you quietly name that dog Hambone just for yourself, then that's real. Oh, good. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, that's one of the unreleased chapters in The Secret. Is you can, <laughs> If you name a dog inside your head, that becomes its name. Um, a listener named William <laughs> wrote into us about another pet named Hambone. This is what he had to say. I wish to present to you my cat, Hamish. No, thank you. I already have two dogs, but I appreciate it. My sister adopted Hamish, a two-year-old Persian, when she was studying in Australia. When she brought him home and introduced him to our family, my loving late grandmother couldn't learn the name Hamish and instead called him Hambone. Needless to say, it stuck. He's more frequently called Hambone than by any other name. Here are some pictures of the cat and one of him with my sister. He's a real bundle of love. We'll have those pictures, I presume, on the Judge John Hodgman Instagram. Jennifer is nodding yes. Yeah, of course they'll be there, Judge John Hodgman Instagram. But I want to take a look at him with you in a minute. He looks like a disgruntled old man, but he's one of the most gentle, cuddly cats I've ever known. He has an Instagram account. His username is Sir underscore Hamish. If you desire more content of the lovely ham bones, I hope Jesse gets a ham bone of his own one day. Our thanks to William for that. 
I'm gonna go. I'm gonna look at this Instagram. Yeah, let's take let's take a look. Instagram.com slash sir underscore Hamish. Let's see what this dog is with this cat. Ladies and gentlemen, what you're hearing now are the sounds of Jesse Thorne in pure delight responding to photos of a cat named Hamish. If you've been listening to the Judge Sean Hodgman podcast for a while, there have been more than one occasion where Jesse Thorne has reacted to the photo of a dog or a cat or other cute animal. It's one of the greatest delights of the podcast. And this is John Hodgman here with a special message for you at the end of March when this podcast will be aired. We're coming up on Max Fun Drive. Well, we'll be asking for your donations in the future. And one of the benefits of donating to Max Fun and the Judge John Hodgman podcast is you get special bonus donor content. That might be a special episode that no one else gets to hear. I'm here to promise you right now that we're sending Jennifer Marmer back through the archives to create a supercut of Jesse Thorne reacting to photos of dogs and cats and will only be available to donors to the Max Fund Drive coming up this April. So mark your calendars and get ready to make your pledge because you don't want to miss out on this. What are you looking at, Jesse? He's one of the scrumpy-faced cats, you know? Yeah. And then there's one picture where I presume uh, the lady who wrote into us is holding him from behind and sort of lifting him up with his arms up in the air like in sort of like cat jazz hands. (laughs) And he looks so mad about it. He's like, I'm not celebrating anything. The Jesse Thorne reacts to animals supercut. I am presuming it's going to be about nine weeks long, only available as a donor bonus at Max Fund Drive coming up this April. Well, that went about as well as it could possibly go. Thanks. Oh, hey, there's one where he's in the hibachi. (laughs) Maybe I'll just take the credits this time. That's it for another episode of Judge John Hodgman. The show is produced by Jennifer Marmer. Follow us on Twitter. Jesse's at Jesse Thorne. I'm at Hodgman, H-O-D-G-M-A-N. We're on Instagram at Judge John Hodgman. Make sure to hashtag your Judge John Hodgman tweets, hashtag J-J-H-O, J-J-H-O. And check out the Maximum Fund subreddit to discuss this episode. Submit your cases, as always, to MaximumFun.org slash JJHo or email me, John Hodgman, directly, Hodgman at MaximumFun.org. What do you got there, Jesse? Now I'm looking at one. <laughs> it's, it's the first one on the whole thing. And it's just him staring contemplatively into a hallway mirror. <laughs> like, who have you become? Uh, thanks very much for another episode of Judge John Hodgman. Uh, Jesse Thorne, and we'll see you next time on the Judge John Hodgman podcast. Listeners all. Goodbye. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.